Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to Blonde Hair, Black Heart. I'm flying solo again this week, but I've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive in. Or, I guess, fly in. Leap off the cliff. (laughs) I don't fucking know. Okay, let's talk about Real Housewives of Orange County. Now, before we even get into this week's episode, there's something that's been irking me for a while about Noella— And there's a lot that irks me about Noella. Um, But when watching the previously on recap before this episode started, I was just struck again. So Noella has a daughter that's never been mentioned. Now, neither of her kids are shown on the show, but she talks about her son with Sweet James all the time. Um, Apparently, she has a daughter as well who was just completely MIA. So I understand not being able to show your child if your ex doesn't allow it. That's actually something that's come up before with other housewives, notably Bethany Frankel. But you can't mention her? I mean, what did Bethany do? She mentioned it all. But for real, it's it's weird that whenever she discusses motherhood or her family, it's only about her son. Even when she's talking about her dad dying, she says, I just emailed him that he was a grandfather, but I wish he got to meet his grandson. What about his granddaughter, you freak? So the ladies jet to Aspen for a relaxing, chill weekend. <laughs> No, for real though, imagine if this entire season had taken place on this Aspen trip. Epic. So the ladies arrive, and let's blame it on the altitude or the champagne they immediately start chugging, but the drama commences right away. What is with these women fighting over rooms on a group trip? This has literally become the most annoying housewives trope to me. Maybe they do it because the hotel or the property wants to show off all the rooms, so they make the ladies go around and argue over them. I don't know. If it's product placement, it's a really dumb way to do it. Just get Shannon Bedore to do an ad for VRBO or something. So at first, Noella wants the master. Um, She pulls the dead dad card, which is so fucking bizarre. Heather's face in that moment summed it up perfectly. Big cringe energy. Then she wants the room that Heather wants, presumably just because Heather wants it. Uh, Gina and Emily bunk up near the kitchen to be close to the snacks, which is actually a really smart move if you ask me. You know that Emily's going to need to whip out a turkey sandwich at any given moment, so proximity to the fridge is crucial. Um, And actually, Noella might end up regretting choosing the room that she did because she ended up with a spider in her hair. (laughs) The ladies are up against nature this weekend! And each other. So they head off to dinner at this place called Bosque. And TBH, I love like a tapas-style restaurant or places with a tasting menu. And I live for the day when I can walk into a restaurant and say, let's just order the whole left side of the menu. Ugh, goals. A little game at the dinner table reveals that Dr. Jen has been engaged seven times. Prostitution whore! You are f***ing engaged 19 times! Then, Shannon says Emily is a bit of a shit-stirrer, and that starts stirring up the shit. Go figure. And everyone starts getting worked up. Shannon is now going up against Emily, Gina, and Heather, each for their own individual issues. But Noella chimes in and is protective of Shannon. She calls the other girls bullies, but... Shannon did bring this up. She did start this whole thing by going after Emily. And if Emily and the group come back at her, I mean, that's on her, right? Noella once again doesn't allow Heather to speak to Shannon, and Heather tries to teach Noella about the art of conversation. One speaks, one listens. This is something that a lot of people need to understand. 
So Shannon feels like Heather is singling her out. She brings up the hoedown as an example of her being singled out when Shannon was late and Heather made a big deal out of it and Vicky was also late and Heather didn't say anything. Which, you know, on its own is actually a really good example of you being singled out, Shannon. Uh, But I was listening to Heather's podcast last week and she discusses this. And, you know... It's not that she's still upset about the hoedown, but it was brought up, so she addresses it and says, The reason that she didn't say anything to Vicky at that time was because Vicky had already texted her earlier in the day saying she was going to be late, so she knew, whereas Shannon did not. So, I mean, I've already admitted wholeheartedly that I'm a total Heather Dubrow apologist, so that is true, yes. But it is also true that there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes of these shows that we just don't really realize, and they do affect what's happening on the show. And without the information, the things we're seeing can seem skewed. So, I don't know. Grain of salt, people. Always with a grain of salt. So, let's talk about the Shannon-Heather issue that's really happening now, which like most Shannon-Heather issues historically, I think are really about two people who are far more similar than they want to admit. I think both of them are right in their respective opinions, and both of them are just kind of having difficulty uh, getting the other person to really hear them out. I don't think that this is a black and white issue of right or wrong. I think it's just that one person thought they were being a good friend in one way, and the other person is saying, hey, I had hoped you had been a friend in another way. And I think it's really up to both of them to acknowledge the other person's side. You know, Heather could easily say, Shannon, I know you were reaching out to say hi, and that's so sweet. I really appreciate that. I was just so excited about my show, and I hoped you would have asked about it. You know, easy. And Shannon could have said, I'm so sorry. I didn't think to ask about your show. That was an oversight, but you guys were on my mind. I was so excited to talk to you and hear about your trip. Also easy. But this is The Housewives, (laughs) not real life. And to be honest, I know a lot of my friends in real life probably wouldn't handle the situation in that way either. So I guess the show is more realistic than we'd like to admit. So Shannon gets a little worked up. Um, You know, she's a single mom running a company with no nanny. I mean, her kids are like fully grown. One is off in college, but go off, girl. Gina tells Noella to stop barking about issues that don't involve her. Valid, Gina. Valid. After bringing up Shannon's big, juicy, yummy, cooked-to-a-perfect-medium-rare heart... Oh, didn't you guys know Noelle is a cannibal? Allegedly. That was so fucking weird. Um, Then she goes on to say how Gina doesn't herself have a yummy heart. (laughs) And she says that Gina says things that are hurtful, to which Heather bursts out laughing, saying, Noella, you don't say things that are hurtful? Noella goes, what have I said that's hurtful? You know, which is such a delusional response. And Heather responds, um, that I slam people into walls. So now this whole thing is going to come back up. Uh, Gina asks Noella, you saw her touch a person? And Noella says, unequivocally, I saw it. Yes, that's a direct quote, you guys. I went back and rewatched. She says, I saw it. Then it becomes, well, I saw her touch the camera. I heard her shove someone. Then later it becomes, someone told me that it happened in the basement. Then, when asked again if she saw it, Noella says, just because I didn't see it with my own eyes doesn't mean it didn't happen. This bitch can't keep a single story straight. Whether it's about Heather, whether it's about her own marriage, her own family, she's a nut job. Nutella. (sighs) So she tries to twist it and say, you know, when a friend looks out for you, you don't turn it around on them. 
as if she was being a good friend to Heather by by calling this thing out. In what way was Noella looking out for her? I'm just, I'm very confused. Very confused. You know, Noella is really, really digging in her heels here. She says, the truth always comes out, Heather. To which Heather responds, let it come out. I'm not concerned. Um, Iconic. I mean, honestly, I think that's the best response when someone's talking about the truth is just to be like, yeah, the the truth. (laughs) So Noella then turns to Emily and asks, aren't you going to say anything? And Emily immediately denies ever being a part of any conversation about Heather shoving anyone. So this is where, once again, the drama spills off screen and onto the laps of some very thirsty former housewives. Smelly Dud is back at it, this time sharing screenshots of a conversation between she and Emily that Smelly claims proves Emily knew about Heather shoving someone into a wall. The texts, which were sent to me by a listener again because I will not stoop so low as to visit her page, literally these texts didn't prove anything. Um, They're basically just saying, yeah, Heather flipped out on production and she was angry and she was threatening to shut down the party, which we saw on the show and Heather's never denied. In fact, she said over and over and over again, like, yeah, I lost my mind, but that doesn't mean I put my hands on someone. Let's be very clear. Had Noella started this entire thing by saying to Heather, I'm uncomfortable being your friend because I didn't like how you spoke to production. Sure, she would have a very solid leg to stand on, but she used the words shoved into a wall. Those are strong words. They hold far more weight than you spoke poorly, or you pushed a camera out of your face, or even you touched a crew member. Saying someone was shoving people into walls, it's a very, very specific and egregious claim. So unless that's exactly what happened, you're going to look like an idiot. Even now, she's constantly having to change her story, so she looks like an idiot. And... You know, unfortunately, people online are reading these tweets and being like, see, it's proof. It's proof. Proof of what? Everyone confirming that Heather lost her shit only confirms that Heather lost her shit. No one has confirmed that Heather laid hands on anyone. But if this storyline continues, she might. She is done to the highest order, which, like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to start using it. And she says, I can have Terry here with a jet by the morning. Ugh. Goals. Goals, goals, goals. I need a jet and I need a tasting menu. Stat. The gang heads into the sprinter van to head home. Oh my god. I can't even begin to break down the sequence of events in this van or who said what or when and to who and why. It was chaos. Pure chaos. I fucking love a sprinter van ride from hell. Uh, Emily's mocking Noella. Hilarious. Gina is just nodding in the background while Heather tells Noella to shut up. Relatable. Shannon is shaking and crying. Classic. Emily also poses a very interesting question in this episode. Which came first, the shit or the stir? Obviously the shit. And I'm kind of loving the shit stir Emily this season. I mean, honestly, I feel like, yes, she's doing a lot, but it's necessary. Back at the house, emotions are still high. Heather feels like she hasn't been supported by anyone, which she totally was, let's be real. No one was on Noella's side except for Shannon. But she does say to Shannon, like, how can you support this? 
to which Shannon is like, well, Heather is a fully capable girl. She doesn't need my support. But the facts are the facts. So at a certain point, you just defend the truth, not necessarily the person. And this is also something I need to make clear to some of my friends. Facts are facts, people. So the night ends with Noella agreeing to talk things out with Heather. And at first, Heather's like, not right now. But then she quickly summons the powers of the hexagonal ice queen and says, fuck that. We'll do it now. (sighs) Chills. In the previews for next week's episode, Heather looks cool as a fucking cucumber and Noella is screaming into the ether, literally. So I have a hunch who's going to win this one. After all, there's an art to conversation, remember? And Heather Dubrow, she's an artist. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Okay guys, so I have a new development in the whole feud between me and Tampa. You know, when this all first came up, I honestly felt really silly even sharing it because, like, honestly, who the fuck am I to think that this reality TV legend would even care about me or what I post or say? But no, she does. She definitely does. (laughs) So last year, I became friends with a certain entertainment journalist who wrote a certain Housewives book that was named after a certain Lisa Vanderpump tagline. Connect the dots, people. And he himself is very good friends with a lot of the housewives, including Tampa. So initially, when he reached out to me through social media, it wasn't even about housewives stuff. A lot of you may know my husband and I are in the process of trying to adopt a baby. So he had seen something I'd shared, and he reached out to talk to me about my adoption process. And he was sharing some personal stuff going on in his life. And it was a really nice, genuine connection, I thought. When his book came out, I bought a copy and I posted about it and I talked about it several times on my old show, The Church of Housewives. So when I started this show, I invited him to come on. And at this point, the book was kind of old news. So I wanted to have him on to talk more about the shows currently airing and, you know, his opinions about stuff, but still promote his book, obviously. And he agreed and we started the scheduling process. 
So literally, the day after the stuff with me in Tampa came to light and she blocked me, I got a DM from him saying that he could no longer come on the show anymore. He had just switched PR teams and they were halting all podcast appearances, blah, blah, blah. But let's link up in the future. Uh, We'll reschedule. At the time, I immediately questioned it. The timing was suspect. Like, why would his PR team care now about podcasts when he's already done dozens and his book came out like nine months ago? You know, it just, it didn't seem legit. But I was nice and I was like, yeah, no problem. Just let me know when you're available. I'd, I'd love to have you on in the future. So last week, I saw a post that he had shared where he did a podcast appearance. Obviously, I was annoyed, and obviously, I went to his page to do a little Megan King Edmondsing, and I noticed that not only had he unfollowed me, but he had removed me as a follower, which is like a big step. I feel like that's going above and beyond. So I DM'd him, and I asked him straight up, what's the deal? Did I do something to upset you? Um, he saw the message, and he left me on red. Like, there's really no other explanation that I can think of other than the Tampa connection. Uh, She was on Watch What Happens Live, like, a week before all of that shit went down between she and I, and the two of them were hanging out together while she was in New York City, so they're clearly good friends. But, like, the fact that she would go out of her way to tell him about little old me and my little old podcast segment about her, like, it's wild to me, honestly. But there's no other explanation I can think of. And here's my thing about it. If he's icing me out to support his friend Tampa, fine, but by not saying anything to me about it, or not responding and telling me why, you're not actually supporting your friend. Tell me straight up, yo, you were a dick to Tampa and I love her so I've gotta have her back. At least that would be honorable. But to back out of my podcast with some lame excuse that lets you off the hook easy is weak. And to not respond when asked about it is even weaker. You're not being the good friend to Tampa that you think you are, You're just being a little bitch. So last week's episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey begins with the continuation of Teresa and Margaret going at it at the ropes course. No good happens at a ropes course. Remember when Vicky's finger got caught in the ropes and she was screaming at Shannon? Okay, so I guess some good happens at a ropes course. (laughs) Teresa calls Margaret trout mouth, which, like, I honestly don't even really get that insult. I've never spent enough time looking at a trout, or any fish for that matter, to know if it's, like, a really cutting insult or not. Who knows? But if Teresa's using it, I'm gonna assume it's not, like, a brilliant read. Teresa claims Margaret started the rumors about Evan, which seems like a reach and is kind of out of nowhere. And of course, Jackie says she doesn't believe it. Here's the thing. Do I think Margaret could have known about the rumors? Absolutely. But we didn't see her spread them, whereas we did see Teresa do it. So, I don't know. I feel like not enough people use their actual senses anymore. I go by what I see. Margaret throws out what Jennifer had told her about how it was actually Teresa's idea to look into Evan. Don't we know anyone in Tenafly? She supposedly asked. Why are you still digging? And how could you possibly be mad now about anyone else digging for dirt on you and your man? Plus, okay, here's here's my biggest thing on the whole Louis of it all. Teresa's all like, it's, it's no one's business. Louis didn't sign up for this. It has nothing to do with me. And of course her fans agree. 
but these are the same fans who I'm sure were rightfully screaming at the Beverly Hills ladies for not holding Erica over more of a fire, despite the fact that Tom also isn't a housewife, and these allegations were about him, not Erica. But these accusations and claims about Louis, they're happening in real time. Like, they're coming out in the media while they're filming. They have to talk about it. Imagine if none of this was discussed. People would be losing it. The analogy from last year comes up again, and it's still a very hard concept for some of these eggheads to grasp. Teresa insists that you need to preface your analogies by saying, I'm about to use an analogy. <laughs> like, prepare yourselves, everyone. Uh, Dolores asks, why didn't you say for example? Ugh, Heather Dubrow needs to come teach these women about the art of conversation. They, like, do not get how speaking works. I don't know, I'm constantly speaking in metaphor and analogy, and I never give people a heads up. <laughs> if they can't figure out what I mean, then they can just go cry thinking that I'm serious, and I'll hand them a tissue. Teresa's upset that Marge is claiming Louis is abusive. And of course, Marge responds, I didn't say he's abusive. All of the ex-girlfriends said that he's abusive. And like, yeah, I mean, if I'm in a group and one of our friends started dating someone who has like all of these public articles written about their violent and abusive pasts, that wouldn't be something I'd stay tight-lipped about. It, it would be like a big topic of conversation. But, you know, Teresa's in this amazing love bubble and no one's gonna pop it. Someone please go burst this bitch's bubble. She has terrible taste in men. Jackie has a therapy session about her eating disorder. Um, she hasn't eaten ice cream in 20 years. I had a fucking double scoop on Saturday and I still have the shits from it. And this lady hasn't had a single scoop of ice cream in 20 years. Uh, it's honestly so tragic. Um, and I really do feel for her. Later, the ladies are at Dolores' baseball event, and Teresa wants everyone to wear her new athleisure line. Um, what is, what is athleisure? I don't know. Margaret says, we're good. And Gia enters the chat, saying, my mom supports you guys, why can't you support her? You're wearing black leggings anyways. Okay, Gia, okay. Melissa wears the leggings. She says, it's not worth the drama. And later, Teresa says that if Margaret had been wearing her leggings, her ass wouldn't be jiggling so much. So... I think that's the drama that Melissa was trying to avoid. You know, no one's saying shit about Melissa's ass. Not today. Okay, let's talk about Gia getting into the mix. This has been a hot topic online this week, and a lot of people are saying that she has every right to be involved, and others are saying that she should stay out of the wives' business. I'm really torn. On one hand, I don't really ever mind when the kids get involved. It's reality, and we've seen it before, you know, with Brianna Gunvalson or uh, Ashley, Jacqueline's daughter, and especially in a city like New Jersey where so much of the show's foundation is about family. It just makes sense. It works. I think my only concern is, you know, we see Gia call Margaret a bitch, and that's fine, but if Margaret were to return the favor it would be over for her. Like, Margaret could never get away with talking shit to or about Gia. So I think that's where it gets sticky. If Gia's now adult enough to get involved and she has a right to be involved, then she's fair game, you know? Honestly, at this point, just give the girl a giant tomato or a meatball or whatever the hell it is they hold on that show. Well, that's it for today's episode. It was a shorty but a goody. <laughs> Make sure that you follow me on social media, at BlondeHairBlackHeart. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And go give me a nice little five-star rating or review. Until next time, bye.